Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with the Popes once again, although for you guys, it's the first time. Um, our last podcast we did with uh, Little Franky and a New Mexico Cobb Franck died when my computer passed on. It is now doing whatever computers do in the afterlife, probably running in a landfill or being recycled for parts. <laughs> uh, tonight is... Um, oh, did he already respond? Maybe. Um, tonight on Tanat Tonight, uh, we are doing um, two Tanats, 2013 Vintage. Um, our Arizona representation is the 2013 Tanat from Sonoida. Uh, Kent Calligan, and then we also have for California for comparison uh, the 2013 Tanat from Inkblot uh, by from Michael David Winery in Lodi, California. Uh, so two different regions, two different Tanats, um, same vintage, uh, just for fun. And we've got some pizza and sausage and all sorts of fun. And uh, I messaged Kent just before I started the podcast, uh, asking if there was anything he wanted to share about this tonight, and on the off chance that he replies, um, in retrospect, I should have, you know, asked him earlier today, but I honestly had forgotten that we were doing this today until uh, Christina messaged me, and uh, I was like, oh, good thing I have no life. Yes, we're still on for tonight. <laughs> that was very good of you to message him. So, otherwise I would have been like, what am I going to do tonight? And then you guys would have been waiting here for me, and then it would have been sad. No, we would never have been waiting if we hadn't had confirmation. That's why I messaged you, because I'm like, well, you know, we'll still have pizza. Regardless, we won't drink tonight. <laughs> but Or will we? Anyway. No, nah, we Ooh. wouldn't have. So, this... Uh, Tanat has a lovely nose. Subtle, but detectable, which I always enjoy. Hints of spice. There's like a deep earthiness to it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe like a subtle floral clovery note or something. I can see the clover. And then there's like violets and mm. rosemary, I think. Very, very herbaceous on the nose. It's quite fantastic. I'm also getting a little bit of vanilla and cedar. Mm, yeah. I'm guessing this is probably an American, um, sorry, not American. I'm guessing this is probably in French oak, uh, judging by the nose. Probably a more neutral oak rather than new. I am getting that tangerine note mm. um, a little bit past the very edge, which is something I get from a lot of Sonoida reds and Sonoida whites. It's kind of, for me, how I tell a wine mm. is from Sonoida. Mm. Um, and a blind tasting is like, okay, tangerine, Sonoida. Uh, I don't know why or what causes that. My only theory that I can think of, and um, since I'm not a soil scientist or a biologist, I have no idea if this would have an effect. On it at all, but apparently there's a higher concentration of boron in the soils of Sonoida versus other regions in Arizona, so hmm. maybe that's what does it? 
I don't know. Well, maybe some good listener with chemical background. <laughs> you can either tell me how full of crap I am, yeah. or uh, <laughs> can be like, yes, and this is why this is the case, and how it works in plant biology, and blah, 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 which would be awesome. Mm. I'm going to have to check that out from now on, though, with Sonoida wines, uh, because I, I, I think I can detect what you're talking about. It. I mean, the nose, it sort of, it just as you're nasal cavity fills with the fragrance it sort of hits in the back I notice just sort of all around this constant sensation now I get that because I was going to say what it reminds me of and this is marking me as an SCA geek <laughs> it reminds me of what the studded oranges or lemons uh, yeah. the close studded that they would pass around at Revels and things that's what it smells like to me that's okay. You can mark yourself as an SCA geek. I was there too for a time. <laughs> and then, I used to be an SCA geek like you, and then I took a seminary to the knee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sold all of that to pay for about three days of seminary. Well, I'm also getting a little bit of dark fruit on the nose too, like a cassis and yeah, current, black, like a black cherry yeah. currant. Because the other dark. thing, it was like, sort of like my... Not when it, not with the combo of spices I used this year because I did not like that mulling mixture at all. But in past when I've made spiced cranberry sauce, that sort of was dark. Well, and it's still opening up, that's for sure. And we poured this through an aerator um, just to get us started, mostly because uh, there's only one decanter and two wines, and it doesn't work so well that way. <laughs> But we figured with an aerator, that way we can do both. And uh, I love how the back of it says, we'll drink well until 2017. And I'm like, that's kind of an understatement for Tanakh. Um, I would say that this would probably drink well until at least, and this is putting at a low ball, 2027. Just judging by how... The nose, I can almost get the tannins on the nose. I can just tell. That's going to be dark and brooding and tannic and bitter and cold. Like, you know, nighttime here right now. That's good sense. Yeah. Uh, good wine for drinking a week after the solstice. Well, and that's it. As you were now tipping your glasses back, I have to admit I already had a sip. And oh, I've been drinking. Yeah. Oh, so have I. The, uh, <laughs> Total well, once I do that, though, I really can't detect... Uh, Anything in the anything new in the nose? It just it, once I taste it, then I'm I'm pretty much doing that from then on. But the uh, I don't know whether it's power suggestion or what, but I mean the citrus flavor really comes out too when I'm tasting it for the yeah. first time. And you know, so you're talking about <laughs> tangerine notes, and I'm like, oh yeah, keep going. It's got a nice long finish. I mean, it's a little short for a Tanat finish, but it's also very young, uh, I think. And we are definitely drinking this wine young, but uh, insert jokes about liking them young here, I guess. I don't know. Um, you can we'll, do that, Cody. <laughs> I'll, st- I'll stay out of it. <laughs> uh, pairs beautifully also with this pizza, but also on the palate, I'm getting a lot of rich cedar. This intense, earthy, um, a little bit of almost like a petrichor herb type thing going on. 
This is just way too much fun. This one. So for your listeners, um, the pizza is a uh, let's see, it's a, a mushroom pizza with black truffle oil on in, in this case on a gluten-free crust. Uh, my apologies to those who don't require it. It's <laughs> fine. Do you see me complaining? Yeah. No. <laughs> no I'm delicious. Glad. I'm glad. Pairs beautifully with the wine. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the darkness of the... Because um, he almost caramelizes the mushrooms because he sautés them in butter and garlic and then um, layers truffle oil on it twice, like first in the cheese and then on top of the mushrooms as well. So I think the darkness of that black truffle oil and the darkness of the caramelization of the mushrooms really plays nicely with this wine. <laughs> Oh, it definitely does. I'm also getting, again, currants on the palate. A little bit of cedar incense. Lots of tannins. Lots and lots and lots of tannins. Finishes finally up at 37.11 seconds. Uh, which again is short for I uh, to not, but it's young, it needs some time. That finish is going to open up more during the evening. I'm really also curious about uh, how it compares to the California. I know nothing about the California, I have no way of contacting these guys. Um, yeah, it doesn't tell me anything about barrel aging or anything, of course. Of course not. Why would they? Because it's not like consumers care. Uh, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we talked about this last time when we did the Chateau Tumbleweed. Um, or tried to do the Chateau Tumbleweed. Well, no, we did. We just never got it off the computer in time. No, we enjoyed it immensely, but... Yeah, we had a great discussion. <laughs> we did. It was great. You'll never hear it ever. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I love Chateau Tumbleweed's labels is because, yeah, they're partying on the front. You know, it's a reverse mullet. The, yeah. the party is on the front. The business is all back, and it's like everything you could ever need to know about aging, about manufacture, when it was harvested, everything. I love that as a wine geek. Oh, yeah. I wish more wineries did that. Speaking of which, we still need to pick up our shipment from Ooh. them. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to go. I was a bit of a wine fairy uh, today and brought uh, the Pope's their wine club shipment uh, from Passion. Oh. So yeah, that's what's in that big box. Thank you. So... I thought, since I'm coming here all the, already... Well, things have been Excellent. so it. crazy busy. We've just been dry. I feel like I spent a lot of time on Interstate 40 lately. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be very sad to see you guys go. Like I said, we're going to come back probably. We're planning, I think we're thinking like twice a year, probably. Just maybe more, but not in the summer. <laughs> yeah, there's no point. <laughs> just for... Not only for temperature, but also um, just sheer amounts of tolerons on the streets mm-hmm. of Sedona. Yeah. This is a beautiful tonight. Mm-hmm. Ken, well done. I don't know if you're going to listen to this at all, but well done. Um, this is the first time I've ever had it. This great. This is the first time you've ever had Tanat? Mm-hmm. Oh. 
So it's been kind of a consensus among the folks in the wine industry who have badgered into personifying me as a wine, because, you know, that's just how I kind of see my wine uh, through personifications is, is like, if I was a grape, what grape would I be? And Tanat is the most common answer, actually. Um, really? Yes. And Megan for and Shannon. For you or for anyone? For me. Okay. So, so um, the second most common answer has been Alicante Boucher, um, which is also a very dark, very broody, very tannic grape. Um, but it also, like Tanat, it's also one that does play well with others. I mean, Tanat does blend well with other grapes. Um, it's tradition, actually, in the Madeira AOC, where this grape is originally from, sort of southwestern France, uh, just above Basque Country. Mm. The tradition is to blend in Merlot, and so usually your Tanats from France are going to be, if you're looking at total wine, obviously you can special order, like, specific single varietal Tanats if you hunt hard and thoroughly enough, but, you know, on average they're, like, 60% Tanat and 40% Merlot. Ah. Um, just, again, because it cuts down the immense tannins. Well, then my choice of a cooking wine today was apropos. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Well, it's interesting, though, because normally I'm not hugely into big tannins in wine, but they don't bother me this. I really like it. Well, the other thing is, I mean, this, is, uh, this pizza is very... It has a lot of... Uh, richness to it mm -hmm. and well oh, dare I say you know, it has the, both the cheese and the truffle oil are oily you know I mean you're yeah. going to get that but it cuts through it very well and what you have left at the end is almost effervescent uh, to me anyway you know and the, after it's cut through yeah. you get this lovely little play on the tongue Aha! Kent says, nothing unusual there. 50% new European oak. Um, so everyone say hi to Kent. Kent, say hi to hi everyone. Kent. We like your wine. Yeah, we do, very, very much. And we have, we don't have another Tanat, but we have, what do oh, we, we still do. have? No, I mean from his winery. Oh. We bought, um, that we still have. <laughs> Um, the it was the Caitlin. Oh, the Caitlin is beautiful. I yeah. reviewed that a while back. Yeah, um, that's Verdot and Cronk too. I think. Yeah, I'm a sucker for Petit Verdot. You and me both. Mm. So the Popes went through recently a very, very bad and tragic wine disaster. Um, would you guys care to share? <laughs> well. We really enjoyed the process of acquiring the wines, which involved a trip. A road trip. All the, you know, through Arizona and New Mexico um, over several days to actually pick them up from each of the vendors directly. But, um, and, and we left them at a property in Santa Fe and were promised that they would be safe. Uh, by people who actually had to uh, perform some services there. Uh, but we were s uh, sad to find on a return that uh, we had lost two cases of, of delicious Arizona and New Mexico wine. So we'll see what we can do with the insurance, but 
you know, some of them might not even be replaceable, just depending on how many are available. Yeah. Um, I, interestingly, the insurance adjuster tried to talk to me about, uh, of course, we'll apply our natural depreciation formula. And I said, sir, <laughs> wine does not depreciate. It, it appreciates. I was in the, he, was, he had it on speaker, you know, in the car, and I just started laughing hysterically. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I've, I've never had to do this with wine. I don't know anything about wine. And we're like, no, wine gets better usually, especially the kind of wines we were getting. Yeah. You know, this wasn't... A box of Almaden, you know, we're talking about here. <laughs> or like a California Chardonnay or that sort of thing. Exactly. Here, let me pour you guys some more. Ah, I got some on your hand. That's okay. It is a tragedy. Better on my hand than on the table runner. Here. This is true. Of course, it's red too, so. No one will notice. Like how I did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot, actually. I mean, I uh, just recently. Uh, Actually, I was doing the wood, and I took a little of polish and hit the stone with it too because we had plenty of little drops. Oh yeah, of, it happens. Of wine, as I see, we're adding to the it's fine. collection. But yes, uh, you know that does Cheers, happen. It way. helps season yes. your. Uh, hmm, helps season the table. E flat. <laughs> <laughs> this wine is E flat. Hmm. <laughs> I do love it. This, uh, you know, it just pairs so extremely well. Also, uh, we're we're having a a uh, sausage with this that is it's um, chicken. It's chicken with Gruyere cheese. Mm. So it's just like <laughs> all different kinds of cheese flavors, and it also the, the protein will balance out a little oh, bit. Yeah. You know. Speaking of protein, can you... Uh, oh, would you care for another piece? I, I would love another piece of pizza. Here we go. Dankeschön. And if you'd like me to uh, heat your plate up... Ah, that's not necessary. These are good. Mm. So, now that we've all finally seen... Olagios... <laughs> uh, uh, Let's talk about our other guest at the table here. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. I suddenly am blinking on how to say Star Wars in, in Greek. Oh, Not that really matters. Thunder, so, but then again, you weren't, you didn't know. So. Yeah. Um, so, Stella, what's that? I said Star Wars in French. Ah. Anyway. Um, yeah, we've actually seen it twice. Stan Krieg. Both times. Stan Krieg. Both, <laughs> both times with wine. Oh, yes. Because the first time we saw it in Phoenix at the AMC Esplanade, which, you know, serves wine. And then um, our new favorite theater in Santa Fe, Violet Crown, also. Now, they don't do service where they bring it in, but you can order it beforehand and just oh. bring it into the theater with you. Of course, Eric's sad because he likes to have a whole bottle, but then he found out that he, they would gladly pour him a double in a pint glass. So I had <laughs> a, a pint of wine a beer glass. Nice! So I he took that so in. Happy. It made my whole experience He was such a better. happy camper, yeah. yeah. So it, what wine paired well with Star Wars? I have to ask. Well, the first time we had a Malbec, and the second time... Actually, I think it was another Malbec. It was a different one. Yeah, I can't remember what they were. It's interesting, but I don't. I don't know that we did that on purpose. Yeah, I tend to. If I, you know, if I don't really know the brands or the labels or whatever, 
Um, but they have a Malbec. I'll usually order that because it seems to come out better than some of the other, like, because they're not serving really, like, super fabulously great wine. And it just seems like the Malbec usually is a little bit more palatable than a cheap Merlot or a Cab or whatever. So if they've got a Malbec, that just seems to be what I gravitate toward, or a Pinot Noir. Have you guys ever made it to Del Rio Springs yet? And Chino, you guys should make it out there before you go. Mm. Uh, Where is that? They're Chino Valley on the other side of the... Oh, yeah, okay. Because they have, actually, I think Arizona's best Pinot Noir. They have Carmenera, they have a Phoenix. I think they're going to be releasing a late harvest Vignoles, which is the first Vignoles in the state. Well, then. Soon. That's worthy. And we may have to go down there anyway to replace our wine, so... (laughs) No, this is... work. Oh, Tino, Tino Valley? Yeah, oh, right, right. Yeah. We haven't even been over there. No. You should go before you go. Why don't you look to be on our way? We well, we need to go to Prescott because it's the only place where you can go see Hateful Eight. Oh, Because they're playing utter shite here well, <laughs> in, yeah, in I, Sedona. I'm like, everything on there is just... With the exception of Star Wars. Of Star, yeah, except for Star Wars. I mean, and I guess Concussion's getting good reviews and stuff, but the other ones, I'm like, really, you're going to show Point Break and not Hateful Eight? <laughs> Give me a break. No pun intended. It was just, I... Pumpkins, you disappoint me. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I really have enjoyed the theaters that we've been to um, that do the, the food and, and wine ser- or, or drink service. I mean, they have beer, obviously, and some of them have mixed drinks, too. AMC has cocktails, too. Yeah. But also... No. Oh, go ahead. No, you first. I, I was just going to say, I'm really enamored of the way that, that uh, how can I put this? But the, the actually, it's this high desert common to both, the culture common to both Arizona and New Mexico. There's something about the way people behave in movie theaters that is just so refreshing compared to our experience in other places, you know, <laughs> um, where the, people go are regularly sent to the special hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they people would come around and eject people for making too much noise and doing different things. It was very very clear the expectations, and everybody seems to uh, do a good job of abiding by uh, being considerate of the other moviegoers. Yeah, very respectful audiences, and I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's because in those theaters where they are serving the wine that the the audience is skewed or I mean at the AMC they are all 18 plus or Makes 21 sense. plus screenings that's it because um, Lord knows there's a gazillion theaters in the greater Phoenix area so you know if you're taking your kids to the movie you just don't go to that one theater yeah. you know but I don't remember there being any particular age restrictions at Violet Crown in Santa Fe. And, and what yet, about New Mexico? I yeah. mean, in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, that's true. Also, that Roswell, that theater there is very perfect. because when we were tra- when we were doing the late lamented well. wine tour, <laughs> um, we stayed overnight in Roswell one night, and uh, we went to go see the final um, Hunger Games movie there. And again, extremely respectful, hmm. quiet. Cr- I mean, they were enthusiastic about the movie and everything, clapped at the end and stuff, but just like. Not all the. 
I, I no. don't even I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, no, but, it's just everybody expresses. I think the company expresses their intention, your expectations. Yeah, expectations, and they enforce them. I think those two things are you know. I think sometimes we we spoil our audiences. Makes sense. By not enforcing. Now here's an interesting thought. I wonder if anyone's thought about doing a wine and movie pairing down at the Wilcox movie theater. Um, they should. Makes perfect sense. Just get like five wineries, pull in a different wine, and choose wines that'll pair with some movie. And harping on Star Wars because you know it's out and it's awesome, and because it yeah. does have crowd appeal. Because it's Star Wars. It's really Star. It's really Star Wars. Sorry, I'm just such no, a huge geek. About Star Wars. It finally feels, even, you know, I went to the theater when, when Phantom Menace came out, and even I was like, this is what all the fuss is about? Oh, God. Do you want to have, hear my sad, bitter story about that? Sure. <laughs> We've got a wonderful tannic wine to cut off the edge. Yeah. No, no, no. Do you want me that, to uh, split that sausage? No, I'm done. I only you ever eat one, so have at it. please oh, well, knock yourself case, out. Um, with the sausage, that'll be difficult. No, I mean, I was a huge Star Wars fan. I did not see the original Star Wars opening day because, you know, I was way too young to drive at that point, and my mom refused to take me right away because of the lines, you know. And like I told Eric, I had this, like, epiphany, like, Oh, she was in education. She was a high school counselor. And I realized she was stalling because she was waiting for to be out for the summer so she could take me and my friends on a weekday so it wouldn't the lines wouldn't be as bad as trying to take us on a Saturday. So like now I get it, but I still had to wait weeks to see it. But after that, I still wasn't old enough to drive for Empire, but I had friends who were upperclassmen and they drove. So Empire and Jedi, I saw opening day. Um and so when the tickets went on sale for Phantom Menace, I don't, I, I don't even remember if I was, I know I wasn't freelancing. I don't know if I was, or I took a, no, I took a vacation day. I went down with some of my other hardcore Star Wars friends and we sat in line at the Chinese theater oh. for like eight hours in lawn chairs just to buy tickets. That wasn't even to see the movie. Okay. That was when they went on sale. And then like the movie came out however long afterward, you know, and you still had to wait in line. Cause back then nobody had a signed CD. Um, and then I just, you know, I remember walking out going, yay, start. Wait, what was that? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, we dutifully went to all of them, but with each one, I was just kind of like, I could just feel like this like frown getting etched deeper <laughs> and deeper into my forehead. Like, George, what the hell are you doing? George, what are you doing? Yeah, George, this stop. Is not, this is not, this is like, I, every once in a while I'd get just a tiny, okay, that maybe sort of felt like Star Wars for a minute and then they just snatched it away. So this was refreshing. It was like, I have Star Wars again. Star Wars is back. Felt like Star Wars. Felt like real Star Wars. Felt like being 12 again, you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure... J.J. Abrams is quite happy to not be called Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people were threatening. You know, that's a big enough threat to make sure you make a 95% on the tomato meter movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like the highest ratings I think I've ever seen on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the highest. It's not. I think I saw one that was like a point or two high. I can't remember what it was now, but, but it's still, especially for a big franchise genre movie like Star Wars to have that high a rating when everybody's expectations were 
through the roof anyway, you yeah, know, well, and you're like, it can't possibly, oh wait, yeah, it is. <laughs> but that's really the problem with the prequels is, you know, he had to go back and he had to basically be doing some world building because he had to, you know, he had to flesh this out in advance and make it seem older and what kind of devices are you going to use to do that, let alone just the storyline and things. I think also, you know, like a musician, they're pretty much the money they get from what they do, which, you know, ideally should actually compensate them somewhat for at least living, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is directly contingent on how well they meet the needs of their audience. It, there's, it's, I mean, yes, you well, can get a little same bit. Same thing as a writer, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's not the same thing as a director, well, not a big mega blockbuster director. He got all those three, basically, to do yeah. what he needed with. And in his defense, I'm not saying that I appreciated all of it at the time um, as much as some of the original movies, you know, especially the the blush of A New Hope and the, just the amazing... Uh, Awesomeness. Uh, yes. <laughs> of... Um, Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's my favorite, Mine I think. Mine too. But I do think that given uh, given their uh, the choice an artist whether they be a musician or a filmmaker is always going to be trying to do something new it, the, uh, the unfortunate truth is that with most of the musicians at least that we're dealing with you know, where you know them, you see them it's an in person thing um they they get feedback from their audience and they know that what's expected and they may just do what they want anyway and maybe they'll surprise us and it'll be wonderful but there there's so much more feedback in real time that they they pretty much have to keep doing the hits and you can tell most of the ones that have any longevity regret it they're they they just do it because they have to but then they try to mess with it a little bit and they always save it for last because that's not the thing they're most interested in. It's just something they have to do. Sorry, but I think that's the truth. And in the case of directors, I can't imagine it's much different. It's just that he got his head. He got to do what he wanted to do. And people criticized it. You know? We may, I mean, there. you could tell with all the Darth Jar Jar stuff that's coming out that they're working hard at trying to loop this back around and show some genius from this. Mm. So, and it may have already been there. I mean, some of that stuff's pretty compelling when you look at it. Um, you know, the uh, Darth Plagueis, Pl- Plagueis. Uh, yeah. you know, related uh, information and that kind of thing. Uh, so we may yet find that we'll, you know, the we're thinking that it was it's better than we thought it was but i joy has some valid criticisms regardless I of have. how in Maybe. depth the you know the plot construction was yeah. and, well, and that kind of yeah thing. i mean there, there were some definite plot holes yeah and, and there were and there were some beautiful i mean there was some there was i think he over i mean i know it was new and shiny so they yes. you know that's why they used so much cgi but it really shows because the thing the problem with that is like i understand that you are going back to the Republic, the time before the Empire, before things sort of fell apart, and so things were probably more elegant and shiny and everything, but it was too shiny. Yeah. It was too fake fake looking. And I know, I loved that. I loved her uh, 
spacecraft, that shiny silver Oh, it's thing. beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, that can never beautiful. be too shiny. That was wonderful. But also, the problem was that um, the scripts weren't very good, and a lot of the acting wasn't very good, and the central love story was horrible. It was awful. I mean, I just watched I had a that. Federal, that being said, it's still a better <laughs> love story than Twilight. Marginally. Well, I haven't read Twilight. Neither have I. So... Yes, I'm outing myself, but I already outed myself that way before. But it's true. I never, I tried reading the first book and I just couldn't get into it. So I stopped and I'm like, I don't, you know, if people love it, great. It's just not, it's not something that I personally found uh, appeal to me. But um, I just thought it was creepy that, you know, she first meets him when he's this little boy. And then, you know, it's like, I don't know about any other girls in their teens, but it's like, in my teens, if I'd met an eight-year-old kid and then met him years later when I was like, whatever, twenty, and he was what you know, whatever, I'd still be like, "You're a little kid, go away." Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, there was no chemistry, there was no attraction, and I wanted Padme to like kick Anakin to the curb and run off with Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had multiple problems with that, and and the thing was, it's like I know that we all built up in our heads that there was going to be this just amazing, tragic story at the heart of this prequel story that led to Darth Vader being Darth Vader, and I just felt really let down by it, because I'm like, you turned him into a whiny teenager, and... (laughs) And I don't even... And it's like, I'm not... I'm okay with emo, because I think that Adam Driver as Ryla... I mean, Kylo Ren was amazing. So it's like, if you're good at it, I'm on board, you know? He he portrays that very well, not in over-the-top fashion. No. He reminds me a little bit of me when I was a teenager in high school. Although he's not really supposed to be a teenager. No, but it still reminded me of that one. I would... Or, or even past that to when I was in my late 20s at Holy Cross. (laughs) (laughs) And beating sandals against... uh, they need a new motto. Benches. Holy cross, we bring out the emo in you. <laughs> <laughs> or my, my favorite is holy cross made me a holy cross. Yeah, there you oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it reminded me of some of my outbursts there when I would just like something was going wrong and I would just like take something and beat it over the head with it and then it'd be like, oh, okay, we're done. Anything else? <laughs> that, that scene where he's just wailing on the control panel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, anything else? It's <laughs> just made me mm, what? reminisce, for lack of a, a, a better word, <laughs> although that sounds overly positive. But well, What a range, too, because then in the next moment, there was something else, and this guy was like force-pulled yeah. across the floor yeah. in the air right into his hand. I mean, it was brilliant, wasn't that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's like, what girl? Yeah. yeah. Spoilers, by the way, there's going to be oh, yeah, this spoilers. Is gonna Here's be like, the thing. This uh, is going to be posted probably about a month from now, and if you haven't seen Star Wars by then... As I said earlier, really shame sorry. on you. <laughs> <laughs> or we, we recommend you go see it if you have. Yeah. yeah, go see it. It's worth seeing in theaters, although by now, if you've somehow managed to miss any spoilers, um, we're, we're sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we actually... I mean, I managed to avoid all of them. Before. Of course, we yes. did see it opening day. So that helped. And I just dis- I managed I to avoid almost all spoilers Facebook. except for one. And the minute I start reading, I'm just like, no! Exit! Exit! I mean, luckily, all my friends... 
most of my friends, or at least like my long-term friends whose stuff shows up more, most frequently in my Facebook feed, they're all hardcore science fiction fantasy geeks like I am. And so Star, Star Wars is sacred to us. I mean, some of my friends I met because of Star Wars, you know, and so... We would just never do that to each other because we knew that people's oh, yeah. lives, you know, sometimes you don't, you can't go see it on opening day because you can get, couldn't get off from work or yeah. whatever, you know. Luckily, I can kind of arrange my schedule the way I need it to be. And so we saw it on opening day, not in the middle of the night because I'm too old for that, but um, we saw it like at 2, two in the afternoon, 2.30. In Phoenix, yeah, we just went and did <coughs> And then the second time we saw it, we saw it in Santa Fe. <coughs> And I remember I was standing out in front of the theater. There was still a small line well, as we were waiting to go into the theater. Um, but they kind of batch you, and you know, there were all the people that were going in there. Yeah. You know, um, but I mentioned that I was pleased that this, you know, that basically both times we had seen Star Wars, we had food and and drink with us. You know, <laughs> and uh, the guy in front of me just sort of looked back, and I don't know, he just had this look in his eyes. And I couldn't tell whether he was, like, warning me or afraid of spoilers because I had already seen it or that we had seen it so soon after <laughs> that it had come out. And this was our second time that, that we were taking a seat that somebody else could have had. I don't know. But uh, one of those two things. He, he, and, of course, he relaxed because we didn't say anything. Yeah. You know? I mean, we weren't going to do Although, that. You know, it's funny. Like, <clears throat> and normally I am very in public. I don't say anything. I don't interfere with other people or saying or thing. But when you're picking up our tickets at the theater in Phoenix... There was this guy on oh, his yeah. phone standing next to the kiosk going, oh, my God, man, it's so great. And I just turned around and I just looked at him and he went, shh. And he's like, oh, oh shit, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah. and he just thought, he's like, and he walked off someplace else. I like, saw someone posted, a, it was Reddit, I think. It's like, this is the most I've seen Americans work together since. Oh, I know. Yeah. In terms of spo- lack of spoilers. Yeah. That one guy who got beat up. Oh, in the theater in Chicago. <laughs> it's like, well, you should know better than to yell a Star Wars spoiler in Chicago. You will yeah. get your, yeah. you'll get a whooping. <laughs> you know? But, and this guy, he's, I mean, he really, he just like went, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, he looked genuine, genuinely no, contrite. Yeah. So, you know, it was fine. And he wasn't, he was just gushing. He wasn't like. Yeah, but I was just like, I just la la la. I can't hear. Oh, <laughs> so on. Speaking of of Star Wars and and wine, uh, if this Tanakh from uh, Kent was a character in the new film, uh-huh. uh, who would it be and why? And feel free to spoil away. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I want to say that it's Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. I totally agree. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing because it's complex. Dark. In, yes. But it has lighter notes in it. You, you think it hasn't, it hasn't gone completely <laughs> to the to dark, the dark side. side yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it pairs well with interesting things, which is why I really, really hope that Ray is not a Skywalker at all so that she and well, can be independent well yeah. and she can like hook up with him later ah oh. <laughs> see what I and this is what I so you're you're not hoping that there is a, a Mara Jade no my favorite theory is uh and again this is like a deep possibly not true but still like deep future spoiler 
Uh, my favorite current theory is that it's uh, Ray Kenobi. Hmm. Yeah, that one's been bouncing around a lot. Yeah, I like that. But she's Obi-Wan's granddaughter, so she oh. wouldn't be a Skywalker at all. That would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. The other one is that she was just one of the group who was being trained by Luke when um, when Kylo. Kylo went ballistic, you know, and that she was hidden to keep her, you know, safe because although he killed all the rest of them oh. who were being trained, which would explain her sport, her force powers, but again, at least she wouldn't be another Skywalker, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty well-stocked dynasty. So this is true. This is very true. Now, and, and one of the, my friends was commenting that the fact that there's all this wild mass guessing um, for one movie in, you know, indicates, you know, better writing, better universe. But, you know, as I was arguing them, well, yeah, but with episode one, two, and three, we kind of knew where the end was. It's true. So you can't really make any wild superlative guesses because you know what the ending is and what the ultimate goal is but here we don't know so yeah it's like six of one half dozen the other which is it but I, I think well, my personal thought is that aside it is very hopeful that people are talking about this in good terms I've heard the only real criticism I've heard is that it's you know aside from little minor plot holes and that sort of thing like Poe it's like hey back sup it's like fuck <laughs> well, they had to bring him back because he was so fine. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The only heard, the criticism that I really heard and accepted—I don't think of it really as a criticism—is just that it's made reference to all three of four, five, and six, yeah. and and done it. And I mean, I guess the real criticism there is that done it somewhat safely. Yeah. But isn't that what we all wanted? Yeah. We all wanted yeah, to know like that I, we were back like I, in Star Wars. I posted on Facebook, this is the movie I've been waiting 32 years for, you know? I saw Just, that. Uh, prequels were not it. And, and, and frankly, as much as I kind of wanted to know what happened before, I kind of always wanted it sort of shrouded in legend and mystery and not really knowing for sure, whereas I really was much more invested in what happened after. Yes. So to me, seven, eight, and nine were always the movies I really wanted to see, not exactly. one, two, and three. So that that we're finally embarking on this journey is so exciting to me, you know. And let this, you know, I mean, maybe I don't know. All the evidence and the things people say are really to the contrary here, especially since it was just Star Wars originally and not, you know, Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he but, apparently thought that movie was going to tank. Yeah. No, but it did say episode four on New Hope because he was mimicking the style of a serial. Ah. Uh, so even though it wasn't called in that, the title, in the title, yeah, the, the scrolling thing, it had. It always said that. So here's the thing. Geek. <laughs> it's like once that was done. Then we killed. We haven't killed that yet. No, you, no, but, no but we should move on because we still have pizza and it's warm. Yes, and ah, right. Why we're going it's to only fair to the to next give one. The we have to move on. Ink blot a chance. It does have a fun label. I have to admit. Yes. Love that noise. It's the most hysterical noise. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I enjoy it. 
It sounds almost like a droid, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, once I just to summarize my point, once we had had, had an episode four, you knew we were going to have to go back and revisit one, two, and three at some yeah. point. And so for future filmmakers, even if it makes your world feel lived in, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, it's like... Oh, if you must do it, do novels. Yeah. All right, and let's talk about Game of Thrones because we're in the same position with Game of Thrones as we are now with this episode and future episodes because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, movie it's takeover. True. I mean, we haven't actually been watching Game of Thrones because it's his fault. Um, but <laughs> it's true. He'll explain why. Ooh, mm. But um, can I have a piece of yes. pizza with that? Um, pizza. What was I going to say? Oh, but it is Not true. It's like the 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 you know makers of the TV show have outpaced Mr. Martin, who now I can totally stalk in Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> Because he lives there. Love Find out what his favorite wine is. Well, apparently, according to local legend, I mean, he does own that theater there, the Cocteau. Oh. Which is not that far from the Violet Crown. It's in the rail yard district there in Santa Fe. And I guess he has been seen to be just, like, hanging out, like, sitting at an outdoor table in a cafe, Smoking having away. a coffee or whatever, you know, you know. And so, you know, the chances of seeing him aren't, you know, they're, they exist. It's better than seeing like you know a yeti or something so um who knows but i would i would never go up to him and say what the hell man because as you as know, a fellow writer well, and also as neil gaiman said you know george r. r martin is not your bitch like he will produce at his own pace and it's like you know if i had the luxury to produce a book every three or four years and just whatever then fine but unfortunately my life doesn't you know lend itself to that <laughs> It's more like three times that in one year, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I can't hang out in cafes. But anyway, he has been known to be seen around there. But it's true. It's like with with now with the TV show, they are going into uncharted territory because they're totally off script when it comes to the books. Right. For season six. And so there's a level of excitement. Because you know. they don't know what's going to happen. Well, I have to admit, I mean, I stopped reading the books after... A Feast for Crows because I was really pissed off. Yeah. Um, but I knew enough at that point. So it's like when all the people who'd only watched it on TV <laughs> got, to the, got to the Red, red wedding. wedding and was like all this moaning and gnashing of teeth on Facebook. And I was sitting over there laughing my butt off. I'm like, well, <laughs> this is why you should read the books. You know? <laughs> and you would know. Yours is an evious an evious wow an evious <laughs> laugh an evil laugh. devious laugh yes yeah evious evious it's evious it's a new word oh that's me dark devious yes <laughs> uh, now on the nose of this uh, California tonight it feels uh, more subdued yeah I agree I agree it's more subtle but a heavier oak influence there's a lot yeah, more you know those oaky, Californians oaky. love to oak the living crap out of their wines yeah I haven't drunk it yet I'm just saying it no but I'm serious general. it's like why why would you do that? Are you so ashamed of the quality of your fruit and your grapes know. that you'd rather mask that quality? Hey, at least I can smell a nose. You know, I, I, it's there. I can detect it. Yeah. Which I can't always say, you know. In California? Because... Yeah. That's true. In general, actually. I mean, there's some wines where I, I would totally expect it. They came from great, you know, areas, wonderful terroir. 
and yet you just don't it's, get a nose. You know, it just it does it's happen. Dark, but it does not have any of the complexity. Yeah, the nose I'm getting. Ooh, it's opening up too. Dark, okay. swirling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But where's that and one? Spice. It had like dark and light. Like I could yeah. still, even with the darkness of that tonight, I could still taste those citrusy spice notes the in it. The dark and the light. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's Kylo Ren. Well, all I have to say is. The so who is this? I, I don't know. I need to drink more of it before I can give you a. What? What was the Supreme Leader's name? Or Strange Guild Navigator. Oh, Snoke. It's Snoke. Snoke. The spice must flow. Well, it's yeah. a ridiculous. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know. I was he who controls the spice controls the universe. <laughs> Oh, that's a movie I would love to see done well. Or a book I'd love to see on screen done well. Yeah. For me, it's but still it's almost impossible. I know. Although that movie had great costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the set design, the costumes, and that were gorgeous. I, I really wonder what would have happened if Jodorowsky had made his version. What that would have been like, and how fantastic. Yeah. But that's also because I'm a huge Jodorowsky fan. I loved the Holy Mountain. I watched it for a religion and film class, and everyone else uh, in the class was like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, this is amazing! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll take care of that for you. Excellent. <laughs> we have an accord. <laughs> but anyway, it is... So anyway, I don't know if I would go with a... I mean, we, we could definitely still ask that question. By the way, color-wise, there's an interesting blend of pink and this sanguine color as well. There, but when you know, around the rim, it's just this. There it is a little lighter, but it's darker in the glass. And if you look yeah. directly down, yeah, it's it's fun. I like the interplay of colors. I guess it just means that you know there's a uh, it's right on the cusp in terms of how much wine there is between you and the light source, uh, and how it because some darker wines you can't you can't even see, yeah. you know. Like a Petit Bordeaux. Yeah. Where'd you find this? I found this at Plaza Liquor Deli in uh, Prescott. Oh. And I still have a few bottles that also, for you, have a Petit Bordeaux mm. on the same label. Mm. Well, it's funny because... It was good, but I was... So for my friend Cammy, we made this bet that whoever went on five dates with one person first... Would receive as a reward two bottles of Tanakh from her person. Ah. Well, she won, clearly. And so I bought a second bottle of this for her, and then the other one I bought was was a French one because um, the Cabra at that time was all out. The new version, the new vintage, had been released. Flying Leap hadn't released theirs. I couldn't get down to Sonoida to get Calligans. Well, you know, we felt so blessed, actually, because we tried to get the Flying Leap's not. They're like, oh, we'll have it tomorrow. And we're like, oh, we're hitting the road. So we didn't buy it. So it wasn't around to get stolen. <laughs> I, they, I didn't think they hadn't released yet. <laughs> no, they hadn't. It was coming, but it was you coming. Know, this, you have your piece, but it's cold. But I, I don't, don't care. That, but cold piece, I'm fine. Um, have, but no, like the Flying Leap, it wasn't ready. They're like, in a couple days, how long are you going to be here? Like, no, we're hitting the road tomorrow, so we can't. But, but I feel so glad because it wasn't. We didn't stolen. buy it to be stolen. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been. That <laughs> would have been a glory. No, if they had like, because you know they they probably had something. They could have given it without to us without the label or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or quick put a cork in one or something. But the, I'm just glad they didn't. Yeah, because, I know. 
Totally you know, we'll go back and we'll get it proper, and it'll be protected by our presence. Uh, when I barrel tasted that, I don't know if you tasted it or not, but Mm-mm. when I barrel tasted it, it reminded me actually a little bit more like this because there's so much tannins on this palate, much more than the uh, than uh, Caligans, which is not a bad thing. But I feel like this is definitely way too young. Um, yeah, I'm just not feeling a lot of layers in it. Yeah, whereas I did with the Callahan. It's less Cal- complex. Cal- is it Callahan? You know what? Callahan. Okay. It's a oh, very good drinking wine. It, it is good. Great with this pizza. It's fun. Yeah. It, it cuts. It has something left. It's not bad. It, the nose yeah. is not as strong as you know our Arizona counterpart. Like I, I mean, what I've noticed. Mm. And I do, you know, I mean, I do okay, but I am not schooled in this. I do not have an educated palate. But I just feel like drinking um, Arizona wines in general, to me, it must be the terroir, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like they tend, when they work with the same grape that I taste from other wineries in other regions, they just have more nuances. They're more complex. Um, They're more interesting. And sometimes they're more delicate, you know. And I just think it's, you know, it's probably just that combination of the soil and the the t- climate and everything else. But, um, yeah, if you're looking for a wine that's just, like, going to come up and, like, beat you over the head with something, no, you're probably not going to get that yeah. with most Arizona wines. But they're really, they're like good friends. You kind of learn a little something different about them every time you drink them. Exactly. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so who in the Star Wars, and well, we might as well stick to the new movie, would this guy be? Or is it anyone? Ooh, you know. Oh wow. Ma- Maz. No. No. That's what I would go. With. I'm not getting a lot of nuances out of it, but it's big and strong and kind of pretty. So I'd say Captain Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! I, this is the wrong one. I'm just saying. I just poured the. That's the old one. That's the, okay. Yeah. This is I'm pouring this specifically. Oh, just okay. I just wanted. <laughs> I wanted you to know that I had accidentally poured from the old. And then there's still a sip in here left for, for Joy. So we'll just put that on her side and switch yes. the. Gimme. Thingy. Yeah, you can transfer that. Um, there you are. If, if it, oh, it won't even. Fit. Yeah, it won't even fit. Well, don't. You'll never get said. it off there. It's those ones. That's what she said. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just the stop. The winemakers, I don't know what to say, but it's like if you're obviously the inkblot people are among. They do that thing where they have that little shelf on there yeah. on the on the top of the wine bottle in the neck. Obviously, that's designed so that bars can hang them in these little racks that they have. This is not a thing that most consumers utilize them for. Yeah. And it fucks up your ability to put a collar on them. Oh, sorry. It it deprives you of the ability to put a collar on them. You Uh, can curse. I don't give a flying I didn't know if the F-bomb was appropriate or not. Eh, It's probably not, but... In that particular case, I think it might be. And this is my... Again, if anybody, (laughs) even the wine industry, is listening... It's true. It does... or, or, Or even if you're not, tell your local vintners... We don't need this. I mean, this is this mostly is mass markety California guys who maybe have yeah. been told. And also, the glass on this is like ten times heavier. It's and got, it's got this ridiculous punch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Your whole thumb is gone in that. I know. Like, you don't need. That's what she said. I'm sorry. So that reminds me of. Uh, it was there. I had to say it. <laughs> no, well done because uh, that reminds me. 
of uh, someone posted on my wall around Halloween this sexy wine bottle costume. And my, Leah, who's the winemaker for Eridus, commented, is like, I don't even want to think about the punt on that bottle and where it is. And <laughs> 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 hey, where your thumbs are going to be going in that uh, costume. Yeah. And just, of course, I just lost it. Yeah, promptly. we're going to stop now because. <laughs> yeah. So, but I noticed that it was it was. I mean, I'm used to there being something fun. there, yeah. but like that, I'm like, whoa, yeah. what the ever loving hell is going on here? <laughs> well, and it, but you know, the, this okay, everybody, the bottle style, it's like suit cut. You know, yeah. it is very. It's it's. I don't know if there's a name for this kind, but it, it goes Probably. up. I mean, it's expanding. It has it's very outward, and then it has sort of very firm wide shoulders. shoulders. Well, I was yeah, just about to say that. Shoulders. Shoulders. Yeah. And so they're making up for that with the punt. I mean, it's yeah. very clear. So, you know, it, it's just part of the whole, like, make it look more than it is yeah. and make a statement, I guess. But, yeah. I don't need that much horse hair in my bottles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and going back uh, 10 conversations, well, not 10 conversation threads, five conversations, yeah. you know, a, a few in terms of our other favorite sci-fi space-dwelling universe, um, Dune. Yes. Um, characters in Dune for these two ones. Yeah. Who would they be? Why? Well. I do kind of feel myself that uh, our Tanat from Sonoida is Muad'Dib. I was going to say Paul. Paul Muad'Dib, totally Paul. for sure. Powerful. Uh, uh-huh. Powerful, but subtle... Um, if we can't go with Paul, then maybe Lady Jessica. Yeah. That, that was actually where I was going to go first. Either because one. It's a, Either one. It's exactly. a bold red. You know? <laughs> but it, it, it yeah. knows what it wants, and it will use the voice to get it. Right. Um, yeah. And this is a voice that once you hear it, thousands of men will follow. Um, but in terms of the ink blot, it's yes. less subtle, more overt, more blunt... Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is Baron uh, I'm glad we're all in accord uh, on this. We have an accord! Uh, Geeks and wine unite. <laughs> Geeks who drink, literally. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, Would you like more? Right. Please, sir. Do you want some more? Uh, more? He wants more. more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I heard a rumor that uh, I think the director was Jean Luc Besson. For um, the fifth element was interested in returning to that universe. I've heard that swirling around too. I don't know. Well, but I have to say that that's one of my favorite space operas of all time. Was the fifth element? So how could you watch the most recent Alien installment and not want to see a, another Dune? You yeah. know, I mean, I want to see Dune. If Hollywood is starting to retread territories like, oh, let's make a new Ben-Hur movie. Um, come on, guys. Do it right. Retread Dune. Look at different novels and settings that no one's explored before. Like, um, I guess someone's finally doing The Name of the Wind. Um, which will either be horrible or wonderful. I haven't read the books, so... I, I highly recommend them. But I've heard they're great. My reading time is just really limited because yeah. I'm writing so much. But um, we're kind of... St- I know they had to do a lot of updating because the original is so old, but we're kind of struggling our way through childhood's end. How is the... Is it worth it? 
Well, well we're on the we, the last yeah, episode remains, watched, so we can't comment. Yeah, on we that. haven't finished watching it. We've watched the first ten right. stars. They've hit. They've hit a couple of points. Yeah, a couple important. things looked. I'm like they. They. I think they got Corellin perfectly. Really, really, very well done. Really well done because they're really smart and they cast Charles Dance. Yeah. As <laughs> so, you know, props for that. Um, some of the other updating. I'm not sure that it was really necessary. I think that they probably could have stuck a little closer to the original while still updating it, you know. But then again, I've never had to adapt a book to a screenplay, so I know. Also, like you know, I'm talking too on my little butt too here. late. I think there was one place where somebody held up a cell phone to take a picture. You know, it just they did one guy doing it. Yeah, and it's just like really. Yeah, it's like oh, so he's the only guy with a cell phone in this giant group in this incredible situation. I know. It's Whereas like, it'd, be, it'd be like a forest of them, yeah, you know. Yeah, you just go for the gold if you're going to do it. Otherwise, right. back off just, and, and maybe do a period piece. You know, make it. Well, that's my yeah. thing for talking about going back to like classic sci-fi. That is my fondest wish that somebody someday will make a real War of the Worlds that's set really in Victorian London. Oh, <laughs> that would be beautiful. I mean, that was. I remember I because I got. Um, I mean, I, I started reading science fiction and fantasy at a really early age. So my mom got me so many books when I was a kid. And one thing she got me was like, because what people don't realize who haven't read these is like, they're tiny. War of the Worlds is a novella by d- today's standards. Yeah. It's like around 50,000 oh, yeah. words, a little Very less. I mean, so I it was feel like a publisher today approaching issues as well as like, dude, expand this out yeah. with a couple dozen <laughs> plots and <laughs> make it a trilogy. <laughs> and put some sex in it, I know, they put some sex in it for God's sake. But it was like, it was... The, it Which was is the, funny, because if you know anything about H.G. Wells' intimate relations... Yeah, well, he was an interesting person. <laughs> Just put it that way, but it was like the War of the Worlds and the Invisible Man, and but I just remember reading the War of the Worlds and just like being completely sucked into it. Amazing, and I just think one of the most poignant things I've ever read. Spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) So I think written 150 years ago, but anyway, (laughs) actually more like 140, 30. I was going to go 150. So. Was after he'd gone through all this, you know, crap and and the, you know, the just like London getting totaled and like everything just you know and he finally like goes full circle and he goes back to his house and in the you know in this outer suburb of London um and his wife is there and she says to him I came back I I knew I had to wait for you and he goes to embrace her and kiss her and I'm like that it was just so Beautiful. That there's this like amazing human moment after all of this just destruction and you know, but it was so hopeful and it but it was it worked beautifully yeah. because of the setting. So I'm like, can we stop updating it and putting freaking Tom Cruise in it yeah. and just make it a period piece yeah. the way it was written? I think it would be well, stellar. Yeah, actually, this would be a fun question to close out the podcast with. <laughs> um, five books or movies or settings that you would like to see done properly or redone or that have never been done so we've got your war of the worlds yeah i think all of us are going to agree on dune so i don't think yeah. we need to say that there you go so and, I th- but i, I wouldn't just... be sad if they kept a lot of like the oh. the visual cues from the 1980s dune because the like i said the costume and the set design were beautiful oh. here's my wish neil stevenson's a young lady's illustrated primer Ooh. I, he's one of my favorite authors. Yeah. You know, 
And although I, I just got hard. Anathem would make a spectacular movie. The problem is trying to depict platonic epistemology in a way that would actually appeal to a wider audience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my favorite little spoiler yeah. for a book that if you, well, it's kind of esoteric, so you may not have read it anyway, but I highly recommend it, and it doesn't spoil much. It's like, uh, I think, uh, to paraphrase, and I'm paraphrasing this horribly, it's like, so our enemy is this dramatic alien warship from another universe, and it's like, we've got Protractor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know... God, that is so hard because I'm so wary of how Hollywood adapts well, How they things. would treat something. Actually, okay. and so if I'm going to go with Neil Stevenson, it's probably way easier to go with the prequel to that, which is Hero Protagonist in... Oh, Snow Crash. Snow Crash, Snow Crash yeah. That would be much easier to do right now. Yeah. People would get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have so many books that I love so much. I think... When they started out, they did a great job with the first books of the Chronicles of Narnia. So, okay. I would love to see the magicians. Now I would love to. Yeah, I would it, with the pure Victorian England setting, and uh, you know, Jada's yeah. riding on top of that freaking handsome cab. You know, <laughs> it would be just so amazing to do that. So, Thank yeah, you. and you so know, and, and as much as I may diss as the or, or the. Well, actually, I think we'd all just unfocus on the family here. Uh, let's face it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're all have a bias against them in some way or another. Mm. Mine is the only theological bent. <laughs> well, Mine Christian theological bent. Common sense, but yeah, go um, ahead. Their <laughs> audio version that they did of The Magician's Nephew oh. was amazing and well worth pirating. If you don't want to actually buy it, pirate it. Okay. It's worth it. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, but I was gonna the say, voice actress who does Jadis oh. is just so chilling that it's just like I had chills up my spine. Because I have a very specific way how she sounded in my head. So it was very she, close to the way I sounded like okay. very prim, proper, arrogant. But like cuts like that, gets that point in your eardrum, you're yes. like, ouch. Yeah, okay. I, I liked it. But speaking of C.S. Lewis, I would love to see somebody do his science fiction trilogy. Yeah. Like Silent Planet, Paralandra, and that Hillary. Yes! Those are the most unbelievably amazing books i read them over and over in well i first i think i read far above my grade grade level but some of the concepts in them were kind of for very sophisticated but i i reread them you know i started out like i think read them first time in like sixth grade or something and i just kept rereading them through junior high high school blah blah um and i just think they were i mean they'd have to update some things part of it's like it's sort of fantasy because, you know, you can't really have a culture like that on Mars and you can't really have a culture like that on Venus knowing what we well, know about the Well, the way if you wanted to update that at all is you set it on different star systems. Right. Tau Ceti, for example, for Paralandra because we know for a fact that it's a very low metallic star. Right. There you go. There's a planet that doesn't have much silicon. There you go. Ocean planet. But the way he, like, like Paralandra connected is... all of this... You know, first outer space stuff to to legends and mythology, and that were based here, and um, with and a random tie into Lord of the Rings too, and, and, uh, that well, and also it's like, and certain things because you know unless you'd read widely, you wouldn't know these things like in in that hideous strength where the you know or where Ransom is kind of being like this King Arthur character. 
And it's like, I was a kid. I didn't know shit about Arthurian. I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. I I had read the Mary Stewart books. I knew certain things, but like the expanded mythology around it, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know it. I mean, I was 15 years old. And so like, I didn't get what, you know, I just thought it was a cool name, but I didn't realize why Ransom took the name of Mr. Fisher King, you know, Uh, hyphen it. Cause it just sounded like an English hyphenated name to me, you know, a 15 year old's not going to get that nuance, but he was wounded on Venus on Paralandra in the, in the second book. And so he had that whole, you know, the wounded, um, patriarch. It was just, I, they're just amazingly fabulous books. And I know in a million years I could never is, write anything that amazing, but I love them. So I would love to see them done. That probably. series and <laughs> Lord of the Rings are my two standard Lenten yeah. fiction reads yeah. for good reason. And so you've more or less said two of the things that I would say. Um, <laughs> a, Magician's Nephew. B, the whole of the Space Trilogy. Yeah, they're just so fabulous. They, they are. They're wonderful. If you guys have not read them, drop what you're doing. Put the, po- put the podcast on pause. Go to Amazon or your local brick-and-mortar bookstore. Right. Get them. Buy um, them. Download now. this puppy right Or here. download them on your Kindle. Just do it now. You will thank me later. Yeah. Trust. You will, you will thank all of us later. Right. Really. And you know, I mean, I know Disney did an animated version of the Black Cauldron, but it was kind of cock uh, So I would love somebody to really do Lloyd Alexander's Priding Chronicles ooh. because those are also... Books that I don't care what you, age you are. I mean, I first read them when I would think I was in sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. They're insanely good, you know, and you can go back and revisit them over and over. So those, yeah. So that's four of five or no, well, you technically could go five of five if you want to count the double whammy there. Um there's so many things you can choose. I mean, I know. A five list. There's a lot of contention potentially for that, so we should probably just stop. And since we, yeah, I could go on for ages. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, for me, there's so many things I know. There's so many things we'd want to see. Yeah. As long as I knew they wouldn't screw it up. Like maybe you could assume that you had an unlimited budget and were doing it yourself or something. You know, that would probably be the safest way to assume that it would be done. You know, it's, if you want to do something right. But even then, you still have the. Fear of like, well, well, it's going to make the money back, and I'm not going to get sued well, about it. Well, and and also, you know? <laughs> it's like, I think after 30 plus books, I can safely say I'm I'm pretty decent at like structuring a novel, writing a oh, novel. Yeah. So but you would know a what screenplay is an entirely. But you have friends. But I have friends who are that will edit the season. Well, who are seasoned screenwriters? Yeah. Who I actually would have them write the screenplay sure. because they know that way better than I do. I've <laughs> never ventured into that realm. I Never felt had a little bit to. bad for speaking. I mean, speaking of, once again of George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> did you hear what he said on the red carpet uh-uh. for you know for the recentest uh, for seven? He said um, that he still makes films, but they're not. He doesn't share them. They're just for his friends. Yeah, you know, he's just like I'm going to be. I'm going to continue to be artistic and do the things I do, but. They're not going to be out there for public ridicule, basically. I'm well, just going to do mean, what I do, it's, and people who can yeah. appreciate it will appreciate it. It's know? hard. I mean, I feel really conflicted over that because, actually, like I told Eric the other day when we were watching some movie-related thing, um, this is going to date me, but okay. The first, and I was a kid, little kid, but the first PG movie I ever saw was American Graffiti. Okay. So... 
already felt like I had a connection <laughs> to With George Harrison Lucas Ford and, and Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, and and the Star Wars films were so. I I don't think I can overstate what a huge impact you know, oh, four, five, and six had on four, my life. Four was, but four would, it exploded my brain. It really did open up possibilities, I think, for anybody who's honest about seeing it for the first time. Yeah. At that period, it was like, when that I, I'm sorry. That ship goes overhead and you're just like. Yeah. When I, <laughs> when I saw the commercials and they spammed them, you know. There they were, did. Yeah. Um, I did, I, even though I saw them over and over again, I did not appreciate the full extent of what they were portraying and what they had achieved in terms of things that they were portraying. I mean, seriously, just the I I underrated it because I didn't understand it. When then I went to see it and I was still blown away. It wasn't until like the second time I saw it, and I saw it late. I mean, yeah, I don't, I didn't. Again, same thing as you. I think my mom was just like, "Oh, we're gonna go see it," but you know, go see it with your friend and wait a little bit. I think I you saw know. it before you because I want to say I yeah. saw it like the second week in June, and I know it was right after my mom was like free of her job for the summer and could take us. So we saw it like on a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon when most parents would be at work. You but know? it took me like <laughs> so. The first time I went, I was seeing it with somebody else's parents. The second time I saw it, it was all just us going we got dropped off at the theater yeah because they knew it was safe <laughs> you know yeah back and, then yeah simpler time and the movie was safe and everything so you just uh, drop all the kids off and let them watch it again and then i really I mean, seriously it took me two watchings and that's maybe i'm just not all that you know but i i needed to absorb more of it because it was so groundbreaking and i had been reading science fiction i know so had i ends, you know so i don't know i mean i just know that for a, for a kid without a car who had to either beg rides or like ride the bus to South Coast Plaza, which was the closest place that was showing it, I saw it twelve times that summer, you know, and it it did it changed my life, and then and I made so many connections, and I mean I met my first husband because of Star Wars, I mean because he did Darth Vader in a costume contest at a convention, I yelled Darth I want your body at him, and I got his you body. Got it, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is I should go to more sci-fi. Probably. Ended up not working out, but that's okay. You know, I still respect him as a person. He was actually an amazing um, costumer. He ended up working for Stan Winston for many oh, years nice. as a prop guy. You can see you can see his name in Jurassic Park, Terminator 2, a bunch of shit. But anyway. Um, so... Uh, anyway, but a lot of my friendships, like one of my dearest oldest friends, like we met him at when they, I, I wanted, I think it was in 1985. I really think it was where they screened the um, trilogy for the first time all together at some theater in, in Hollywood, and uh, and because my my ex and his friends were all prop guys, they'd all made like stormtroopers, and he had his Darth Vader costume. Um, that he'd made. I mean, he wasn't like some Don Post helmet. I mean, he did it out all fiberglass and everything. Um, but we saw the stormtrooper walking down the street, and Tony's like, that's one of mine, because he had sold his, his former stormtrooper costume to the guy who did mail order stuff. And so he yells out, hey, trooper, and he comes over. It's my friend Darren that we've been friends with ever since through thick and thin, oh, yeah. you know, so. Oh, and I don't know. You can edit this out if Joy doesn't want it. But well, just I don't know people connecting the circle. two. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. How can we say this? Um, 
you can bring up the. Oh, well, I'm, yeah. all I'm gonna say <laughs> is that out. one of Darren's greatest uh, friends, besides us, uh, used to serve Carrie Fisher. Oh no, that's his, something different. Yeah. Yeah, at the restaurant. Oh yeah, his yeah. his life partner used to work at this restaurant in, in Beverly Hills, where Carrie Fisher would get a lot of takeout. <laughs> and so she'd come down and wait and for I order. And I think she was working on her comedy. Yeah, and she would all, yeah, and she, she would order one glass of champagne and she would drink it while she was talking to Ken and waiting for her yeah. food to get picked up. It was great. No, I thought you were going to talk about Letterman. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, uh, we just need I don't know, did you ever get that so we could like show it to guests? No, but I'm trying to keep my real life me for, apart from my oh, pen name so. Oh, so we better not. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> Somebody at this table is on Letterman. <laughs> it wasn't him. And it's not me yet. <laughs> and it was because of Star Wars. Yeah, so go well, figure it out. You told me that yeah. story. I remember that. Yeah. So. No, I'm just saying that, you know, so we have like multiple, I mean, this is, from right here, we have, uh, let's see, two degrees from Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have Cat Stormtrooper so, armor. And <laughs> or the other stuff, but still, that's pretty good. Three you know? degrees from. I am as equally far removed from George Lucas as I am from Edward Abbey. I just realized. Four degrees. Oh, and my and my ex boyfriend did like commemorative. He was an he's an, he was is an amazing painter, and he did um, like some commemorative posters for Lucasfilm. So like he's only one degree away from George Lucas too. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but then, um, so we have Star Wars three like degrees what? of your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, closing it up. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars like one is something uh, for a uh, force to be reckoned with <laughs> that brings people together. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, you know, and in some cases, the two coincide. Like in this example, it's. You know, if you're a wine geek, it's okay to be a geek about other things, and you should be a geek about other things, and, ooh, yay, turn on this piece of pizza. Um, I was damn good pizza. Isn't it amazing? Thank you. You uh, know what? Being a, I be, you know, I always say this, fly your geek flag high, because it means you're enthusiastic and engaged with something. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's wine, Star Wars, uh, Firefly... Um, well, I won't say Justin Bieber because some people need to die. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's like own your enthusiasms. It's because that's part of being alive. Yeah, it's being engaged and in love with things. And on that note, gang. Until <laughs> next time, this has been Cody with uh, Christine and Eric Pope. Um, and have a great night. We are going to be drinking a lot more wine <laughs> and talking more Star Wars and other nerddoms. Um, so, sorry you can't be here, but also not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> May the Tanat be with you. Yeah. Or any other exciting, yeah. interesting red wine. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> From Arizona or elsewhere. <laughs> I mean...